listening to My Pocket Psych, the podcast all about the psychology of the workplace. Each episode, we look at the topics that can make our working lives difficult and explore how you can take action to improve things. We want to help you move from simply surviving work to thriving at work. My Pocket Psych is brought to you by Work Life Psych, a team of workplace psychologists who are experts in coaching, training, and structured development programs. You can find out more about how we help people grow and develop at work by visiting our website, worklifepsych.com. Hello and welcome to My Pocket Psych, the podcast all about the psychology of the workplace. I'm Richard McKinnon, uh, and I'm joined as ever by Pilar Ortiz. Pilar, how are you doing? I am well, and I'm delighted that we're finding the time to to connect with, uh, well, with you and also with listeners. At the moment, it's carpe diem. I mean, let's, let's do it while we can. Yes. Uh, who knows how levels of busyness will change over the next few weeks. But yeah, it's really good to connect. I'm really pleased that we're able to keep going with the podcast and keep keep the episodes, um, keep getting them published and, and making them available to people. Um, this episode, we're going to talk a little bit about resilience in a crisis. And I think it's fair enough to describe what's going on at the moment as a, as a crisis. Um, so what is it that we can do to help ourselves and help others so that we can keep going during all of this um, from a psychological point of view and from the, the perspective of, of work and I'm working from home and stuff like that. How does that sound for today, Pilar? That sounds good and something that I'll be very happy to reflect on. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. So um, a couple of uh, points of order, I suppose we could call them before we dive into to the meat of this. Um, I think it's useful to point out that we're recording this on Monday, the 30th of March. Because the way podcasts work, you might be listening to this, uh, and that's 2020, by the way. So you might be <laughs> listening to it in 21, 22, who knows? So everything that we're talking about is relevant and um, true, I guess, as of the 30th of March. And and this is a really quickly moving and changing context. So just bear that in mind when you're listening to today's episode. Um the podcast as a whole, our plans have been blown out of the water um, and we've um, moved out of uh, the existing uh, series numbering. So this is another special episode. Um, we do have a bunch of episodes pre-recorded that are going to come out in the next few weeks. So they reference um, uh, episode numbers that are no longer I guess accurate, but bear with us. We will get back on that. So hopefully no one is, is going to be too wound up by the episode numbers being a, a little bit, a little bit wrong over the next while. I will point everyone to a page on the website, worklifesite.com slash working from home. And the working from home page is where we're putting all of the resources that we think will help people, teams and organizations deal with what's going on a little bit better over the coming weeks and months. So really that's the place to go to with anything that we're referencing today. And that that's going to include uh, some brief notes, a recording of the webcast we did a couple of weeks ago, um, relevant podcast episodes and and uh, blog posts. So it's all going to be on that one page, uh, worklifesite.com slash working from home. And on a related note, um, listeners do get in touch if having seen that recording, um, it's on YouTube as well. 
the recording of that webcast if you would be interested in us doing another one. Um, maybe there's a specific question that you have and maybe we can collate those questions and answer them um, through the medium of video. So let us know. You can get in touch via Twitter at mypocketpsych or via the contact form on the website worklifepsych.com forward slash contact. So let's move on. Let's talk a little bit about us, maybe. Pilar, how is it going in this unusual and rapidly changing context? What's going well for you? It's 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 going well. The whole thing. I'm 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 very fortunate in that my I, my stuff hasn't been disrupted hugely, hugely. As in, if if we don't bear in mind the context, everything that's going on and and, and all of that, because uh, I've. I'm very used to working from anywhere. Um, I work with uh, mainly freelancers and small companies. The things that have changed are my husband is now in the house and I am in the house all day, which is what's happened to, to, to almost everyone. And so I think... What's going well is for me, because I am very fortunate to put things in perspective. So I was talking to my mother, who is uh, living on her own in our, in my family home in Madrid. So in her home in Madrid. And she's on her own, but she's in a block of flats. And for her, she was saying, look, I've got water, I've got food, I've got electricity, we have broadband. So for those of us who, who are fortunate to have a lot of that stuff around, I think it's even more important for me to just remember remember that so that's mm. that's going great and to be honest what's happened in london for the last week is that we've had sun <laughs> and even if uh, we're not enjoying <laughs> exactly. it as much it does make a difference you're absolutely right and um i think I, I would agree with a lot of that so much of my time at work is spent um either working remotely you know with people potentially eight time zones away or uh, occasionally from this home office where I'm recording now. Um, there hasn't been a, a huge amount of change to, to what I'm doing. Obviously, some training is going to be rescheduled, but coaching is proceeding using um, video and that, that seems to be working just fine. Obviously, I've done a lot of that over the years. I would agree wholeheartedly the sunshine has been an excellent addition. Um, I suppose my frustration is not being able to be out in it uh, as much as I would like, except for the one um, sort of daily routine that uh, I and my partner have got into, which is going for a walk in the morning together um, to get our sort of daily exercise uh, to minimize our time outside. So we go pretty early before there's many people um, on the Thames path. And that notion of um, routine is proving really helpful because I've got quite a few gaps, uh, definitely last week uh, and a little bit this week in the schedule, putting a routine that I'm enforcing has been really helpful to keep me, keep me going, I guess, to, because one day can very easily bleed into the next in this sort of uh, scenario. Now, that's something we touched on in, in the webcast, the benefits of, of having a routine um, and some other things. And don't laugh, but something that I found really useful over the last week has been yoga. Mm -hmm. and, and I say don't laugh because you know what I look like. <laughs> I don't look um, maybe like someone who practices yoga, but I'm doing it at home now. And I have an app and it, it's up on, the, on the, the TV screen. And I've just found it really, really beneficial. Um, the gyms are all closed and it's a nice way of getting some some gentle exercise. Um, these are not recommendations to anyone, obviously, but it is a very strange 
uh, context that everyone's in at the moment. Um, I guess some of the stuff that's a little bit tougher there is is being away from people. You know, you you, you referenced your mum there, and I'm I'm far away from my family as well. But um, technology is really helpful to um, keep in touch with people and understand what's what's going on. Uh, for them. So I guess we're lucky in that sense. We have access to these tools to be able to keep in touch with people, but because we're not living next door, uh, it can be a, a real challenge. So, sorry, you were going to I was going to say, say that you mentioned there. exercise and you're, I'm thinking that even though a lot of what I've been doing has been the same, I've been, because I've had the same kind of routines, getting up at the same time as I used to, mm. lunchtime, blah, blah, blah. And then I'm thinking, actually, this is the first, last, so yesterday, today it's Monday when we're recording, Sunday was the first weekend I had in this new context. And I made the mistake of spending too much time on the sofa, which usually is okay because the body's been quite active during the week and then the body starts being active on Monday. And that's something that I'm struggling with today. <laughs> My body has gone, no, that was not the right thing. So, so right, interesting that I'm right. going to have to change what I do when I'm not in working hours because if I can't, because my working hours uh, routine has changed. Interesting. It, it is. And it's useful for us to pay attention to this stuff because, um, you know, maybe we might say we're two weeks, three weeks into lots more working from home and we're definitely in the thick of stay at home territory. I, I would suggest it's about experimenting over the next few weeks um, as this you know, continues to find a way of living, a way of working and organizing ourselves that, that works both for us and the people that we live with. So learning points rather than maybe mistakes. Um, and that's a really good, a really good observation, isn't it? That when you notice the change in your exercise, your body tells you that. Yeah. So Enough about us, maybe. Well, let, let's talk a little bit about this this concept of of resilience. Um, we have touched on it previously in the podcast, but I think it's particularly relevant right now. And I ran a, a webinar for a, a client organization last week, you know, covering a lot of these points, and it, it's really front of mind for me at the moment. And I suppose the one thing I really want to hammer home is this notion of resilience uh, itself. It's often viewed as being something that tough people have, uh, super successful people are resilient, uh, Olympic athletes are resilient, and yeah, they might be, but everybody else can be resilient in their way. And it's about skills. It's about practices. It's not about something that you're born with necessarily. And so resilience is going to be very subjective and needs to be, uh, I would argue, contextually defined for each of us. So me being resilient is going to be different to you being resilient, Pilar, and you copying what I'm doing is not necessarily going to get you the result that um, that's going to work for you. And so um, I think we need to be a little bit gentle with ourselves and compassionate uh, when it comes to resilience and not try and replicate everything that we've ever done before and pretend all of this stuff isn't happening. Um, because this is a big disruption. It's long term. Uh, it depends on who you talk to or who you listen to, but it's here for the foreseeable. So us being resilient is in that context. And so I might suggest that instead of this notion of bouncing back to where we were, we might better think of resilience as being persistence and carrying on 
in some way while this is all going on around us. Does that make sense, that difference, Pilar? Yes, it does, um, because we can't be bouncing back to normality when we don't even know what that normality is going to look like. Exactly, and the temptation can be in the middle of a difficult period to sort of metaphorically hold our breath Mm. because we know when it's going to end. And of course, we've no idea when... Uh, there'll be any end to this. And what is this? And what is the end? You, you know, there might be a, a change in um, how much we're allowed to move around in public. There might be a change to, um, you know, just how bleak the news is. But, you know, th- this this is going to continue. There'll be ripples of this for the foreseeable future. So the keeping going in a valued direction, I suppose, is the other bit to this, being the kind of person that you ideally would like to be. And and this doesn't necessarily mean big actions, um, you know, big changes or big demonstrations of resilience. It, it's very subjective, very contextually defined. And for some people listening uh, on a given day, resilience might be uh, demonstrated by getting out of bed in the morning. And for others, it can be persisting with challenging work tasks and then persisting in family life in the evening. So it is about just keeping going, not being a superhuman and having realistic expectations of ourselves and others. And it might be very slow progress, but it's progress nonetheless. So I thought we might look at this from from two contrasting perspectives. One is just to talk to each of us who is working at the moment um, and uh, what what resilience might look like uh, for each of us. And I, the top of my list, when I was making some notes for this, the top of my list, I think, this, this notion of adapting and adapting to a smaller world, in a sense, that's very physical. So, Many of us who are having to work from home right now, um, if we're not in the emergency services, if we're not, you know, in a key role out there doing amazing stuff for the public, if we're in a role that means we work from home, then our world is going to look pretty small. And so part of being resilient is to be able to keep going despite not having access to all of that stuff in the outside world and to be able to see, you know, our adaptation to that in a, in a positive sense and to proactively make some changes. And I would say that's, um, as opposed to wishing things were somehow different and pointing out that they should be when actually they're not. This is what it is. So we, we've touched on the notion of acceptance previously when we talked about psychological flexibility or the whole uh, concept of acceptance and commitment theory. And I think part of the resilience piece here is about accepting that there are some things that are out of our hands that are happening and not wishing it were different, but making the best of the situation that we have. That's not passive acceptance and giving up. That's acceptance of a new normal, a new reality, and deciding to operate within that as best that we can. I think it's a really interesting thing here, the the adapting to a smaller world. And I'm thinking, I'm seeing the ways in which I've seen my friends and, and family adapting to this. I'm seeing lots of um, 
contact, lots of more reaching out from people I hadn't heard from in a while, which of course one is the, the, the concern just to check you're okay. But I think that that for me is also coming from that smaller world. How can wanting to expand it and, and, and realizing that the world is smaller. So how can I make it maybe even a little bit more like what I'm used to or, 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 or maybe not, but it's just make, making me think of that. Um, Mm, uh, yeah mm. and the ways maybe i don't know and sometimes it's uh, some people have become really active on social media I don't know, it's very interesting with that reflection just to think okay yeah what what, what is going on uh, yeah interesting absolutely it's a focus on what is possible and how can i be the kind of person i want to be given these limitations mm. so the temptation might be to shrink into a small uh, environment, a small world. But as you've noted, and I've seen lots of examples of people reaching out despite the physical limitations and continuing their social contact and using technology to great effect, whether that's at work and continuing meetings using video conferencing or whether it's having virtual dinners and virtual coffees and so on and keeping in touch with people all over the place using that technology. I saw a great example online uh, yesterday, maybe the day before, uh, but it was in a, a street somewhere in England, um, a residential street where one of the neighbours had said they were feeling quite lonely. So several of the neighbours came out on the street, brought chairs with them and had cups of tea um, at a, an, an extensive distance from each other, but they were sharing a space and having a conversation so someone didn't feel so alone. So within the 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 challenging circumstances of avoiding making each other sick, they were able to have that kind of, of connection. I think that's one example of this, adapting to these new limitations placed on maybe what we took for granted before. Yeah, I love that example. Well, yeah, I, I, lo I loved the photo. Uh, it was really, really nice. And um, I thought it was a, a superb example of, you know, lateral thinking where we're not allowed to do this, but we could do this. And it's safe and it's really helpful. So let's do this. And they really were stretched down the street on the, on their little seats, having a cup of tea. And it was, you know, in the face of difficulty, what can we do? And that's resilience in a nutshell, really. And to offer a different perspective, now that we're talking about this, uh, I think I've embraced adapting to a smaller world I've actually had to in order to go through this I've had to make my world as small as it wants to be because I'm finding mm -hmm. too much this uh, I'm finding too much information I'm finding too many conversations I'm finding too many invitations to 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 hook up online for example and mm -hmm. uh, and very interesting talking to you now that I have to also be mindful about this to see what is the reaction to my context and just to be mindful when that stops being helpful so absolutely early days. it absolutely and it's going to be different for each of us in that sense um because I, i've i think i've discovered my inner introvert <laughs> over the last week i've really quite enjoyed lots more quiet time. I've enjoyed lots of quiet reflection and reading. I've enjoyed lots of time at home um, w without going anywhere. Um, it hasn't been a monastic life, <laughs> but it has been a lot quieter than I'm used to. And that that's been okay. Now that's a that's a week. So let's see how we get on uh, a few weeks into that. But yes, it, 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 you don't you don't have to um, socialize. You you socialize and, and have that contact when you find it useful and when you find it enjoyable. The point on information, I think, is a really a really good one too to expand on because if there's one thing we're not short of at the moment, it's news. 
and it's almost constant. And whether it's new news or whether it's facts or whether it's opinion, but there's a constant stream of it. So, so something that I think that could really help us as individuals is to be quite selective about the information that we seek out and how much of that we allow to just drip feed into us, because that can really erode our potentially positive perspective on a situation. Um, it can erode our well-being and lead to anxiety that is that is needless. And um, there's one thing that keeps news channels going is is news, you know, so they almost have to keep telling us that stuff is happening. And the rolling news in the corner is not really a great idea, especially if you're trying to work, you know, it can take your focus away. Um, I've been reading a lot lately about cultivating focus and um, avoiding distractions. And actually, that's one distraction in the environment that we can very easily remove if we want to. We talked previously uh, about discomfort quite a bit. And I think we've got two examples maybe to cover off the, the discomfort of isolation. Um, it's nice to have some peace and quiet, but we can feel very detached, especially if we're living by ourselves. And I've got some friends that we've been uh, contacting daily and having daily check-ins with because they do live by themselves. Um, a couple here in London, one all the way over in Tokyo. Um, but we can also have the discomfort of anxiety, anxious thoughts and anxious beliefs uh, about what's going to happen or what might happen. And you know, one of the things from a, from an act perspective that we can do is, is acknowledge that discomfort, uh, give it a name, label it, um, treat it as a concept, as opposed to treating it as a fact or treating it as something that we must act on. So I'm feeling this way, so I better take this action. Uh, we can, you know, allow some space internally for worries about being isolated or fears about the future. But instead of allowing those to guide our behavior, as we've talked about before, we, we can then decide, well, what would I do if I was at my best? What's the most workable thing that I can do in this situation? If I look back in the future and I, I want to be happy or satisfied or proud of how I've behaved in this situation, what might be an example of that? And it's very easy to talk about um, anxiety as a as a thing that's out there uh, when it's not impacting us at the moment. But I'm I'm quite sure a lot of people are feeling very anxious about their health, their job security, their financial security, the well being of their family members, and that's before we even talk about workload um, and and challenges in the workplace. So I think. Dealing with anxiety is going to become more and more and more relevant as time goes on, um, as this crisis continues. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I would suggest this is a time when we should be uh, looking after ourselves <laughs> almost more than any time that's come before us. And there's no re perfect recipe for that. Um, I suppose it's about doing stuff that helps us feel good um, when we don't have a lot of control over the situation and stuff that we can keep doing. I've seen a few news reports about health bodies saying that, well, reminding, it's not news, reminding us that alcohol isn't a great coping strategy. And I think it was the go-to place for many, many, many people in the UK. Um, and it, you know, if this thing is going to last for months, it's not a great place um, to go when we're feeling anxious. So cultivating some other practices that could help us. Uh, I'm not the poster boy, but yoga is an example. Meditation is an example. Having conversations with people we trust and value is an example. Um, and, and 
potentially alone time when we're in a busy household. Um, for many of us working from home, we're working in the home while other people are around us. So maybe self-care could be getting, you know, a little bit of time in a quiet room, reading a book or listening to some music. But I think it needs to be a priority for us uh, because there is so much of this stuff going on around us and making sure that whatever it is that we do as part of feeling better is sustainable. And there's no perfect checklist for that, but the question is, could you keep doing this without it negatively impact your well-being? I think that's that's the bottom line there. Mm -hmm. And I think this is the time when it really helps to understand what we need. So to 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 be mindful of what we need as individuals to do and, and what brings mm. us joy and what brings us mm. peace and intern, inner calm. Uh, and uh, yeah, I think it's a great time to just go back to, okay, what is it that just makes me go, you know, oof, okay, I can do this for half an hour and, and, and be comfortable? Mm, mm, absolutely. So it, it kind of requires us to reflect on yeah. it and, and be aware of how we feel about certain things and what toll they take on us versus how much they recharge our batteries and, and trying to plan those to, to make sure that we have some form of a balance so that it's not all give, 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 because it's a very demanding time. So this self-care is not a luxury. Uh, I might suggest that it's an essential if we want to persist, if we want to keep going while all of this stuff is happening around us. And remember, it can be very small things, really, really small things. It doesn't need to cost you money or a lot of time. I've, I've just really surprised myself at the, the joy I've taken from these morning walks um, and how much they've helped me think and how much they've helped me uh, feel suitably physically tired by the time the evening comes around. You know, so simple things um, while all of these other difficult things are going on can make can make a big difference. So let's talk a little bit about um, another perspective I think might be useful. Um, I, I labeled the first one, you know, an individual perspective. We're going to talk about individuals again, but what I thought might be useful might be to explore this through the lens of leadership. Uh, and that might be leading a, a small team of people. It might be running a unit. It might be being on the leadership team of a business. But I think organizational leaders are under a pressure now that, that many other people aren't, and it might be useful to speak to them at this moment. Um, there's no, no particular order, you know, to cover these things off in, but I've, I've mentioned it before. And I think the, the need to be clear on priorities is really, really important and to communicate that. So organizations are undergoing an enormous amount of disruption at the moment. So what people want is guidance and clarity on where they can put their limited uh, attention and energy at the moment and what isn't business as usual anymore and what is exceptional and what really does need to get our focus. So being clear on that stuff, I think, is is the role of the leaders right now. And um, and also to, to role model good stuff. So if you are issuing messages to your organization, um, you need to role model that at the same time and to, to assure people that it's okay. So examples are working from home, letting people know you're a human. And when you're on these video calls that we're, we're seeing so many more of that, you, you know, you are being a human leader and demonstrating that you're working under difficult, uh, a difficult situation as well. And, and I, I saw a couple of articles recently that I didn't 
they didn't land well with me. They were very much, this is how to remain professional when you're at home with your kids and your pets. And it, it seemed to put an awful lot of pressure on individuals to maintain a facade of uh, perfection that just wasn't there. So I think it could be useful for all of us to realize that we're human, fallible, potentially have dogs barking, potentially have babies crying, you know, and we have lots of us have kids running around and it's it's not the ideal circumstance. And I think leaders could take a lot of pressure off people by role modeling some of that stuff themselves. And I think, like you say, really important to remember and to communicate that this is not business as usual and that, we, well, we don't know how long it's going to last and there might be some normality at some point, the new normal. But at the moment, I think in mm. most countries, this is still, we're still trying to see what this means. Uh, and um, and I think, yeah, and it's important to remember that and to, I suppose, to give people the time and acknowledge that people will need the time to do stuff they didn't need to do before. And I think your point about priorities is, uh, is wonderful because we will be worried that we don't have as many hours in the day as we had before. And to say, well, we acknowledge that and okay, let's see whether we can prioritize this so that when you do have that energy and that focus, this is what would be best for you to be doing. I think I think it's a great <laughs> message. Absolutely. And we've all seen, I think, in the last few weeks, how what was once impossible is now possible on so many levels and uh, either it's, you know, the, the NHS adapting and changing and bringing in new ways of, of dealing with things or it's uh, political changes or it's organizational ones where, you know, we don't do working from home has suddenly become right now. Everyone's working from home and the world hasn't ended. So, or, you know, this may give leaders an insight into what else is possible. And so I'd encourage them to think flexibly about how they can do things going forward and um, not to view this as um, uh, something we need to suffer this working from home, but maybe something that could add some real value to the organization and to uh, to demonstrate that, you know, there are there are many ways to get things done. And it has, doesn't have to be by the book because that was the old world <laughs> and we're kind of in the new world now. And I you made to, a, a point here. Oh, yes, sorry, that's Pilar, the one. Yeah, that's ahead. the one I was going to pick up. Yes, because <laughs> because okay. you, you mentioned uh, you mentioned meetings, uh, and something that I'm seeing is that um, be, because of this. I think at the moment, because we're trying to figure out uh, and the easiest way is to to hop on meetings, whether it's with our family, with our colleagues, I think also from an organizational perspective to remember that people might need quiet time, this quiet time you were talking about earlier, and to make space mm -hmm. for that, make space for either to say, okay, we're going to see what happens if, I don't know, for one day or however we 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 don't we're not in touch with each other unless we need to or let's see what happens if we move some of this video conversations these meetings to another kind of communication because i think um it's very difficult to say no to a meeting <laughs> and especially mm -hmm. now when when we know that people want to connect with others and i think from from an organizational leadership perspective to to remember that some people will need that and to find ways of structuring the work and communication in a way that allows for that. You're absolutely right. For the, the, uh, maybe the expectation in the old world was, well, if you're working from home, you'll be working 
all the time that you're there in this new world it's well you you have to be at home and and at some times you will be working but they might not be nine till five or nine to six or eight till four or whatever it is and and you know leaders could could really help their employees by by working with that and acknowledging that and not falling back on um you know legacy ways of working that to be honest nine to five is is an anachronism anyway you know so um this could be the time to to demonstrate that different working patterns can really work for people when they're under this kind of pressure and and i think you know being able to acknowledge that people will deal with this in different ways and it will show in different ways and people in the organization will will be experiencing different kinds of pressure we shouldn't and i don't think anyone's trying to but i think we need to acknowledge that this is uh something that is really really challenging um globally and so people might have worries that they've never had before they might be dealing with family issues that they've never had to deal with before they may be struggling with logistical things that are worrying them i mean simply getting a food delivery or being able to get to a pharmacy for for um medication and things so having flexibility not being a saint and you know checking in on every single member of your organizational family but having the flexibility and compassion to know this isn't a 9 to 5 world and everyone is dealing with something at the moment whether or not they're raising it with you and i've had some examples of people say to me they don't want to raise an issue in their organization for dot 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 reasons when i might suggest this is the very time when organizations need to be aware of the challenges people are facing so they can either provide support or or just give them that latitude that they need to to work flexibly so i think if we if we think about the individual we think about the leader everyone you know needs to look after themselves i think the difficult uh, position leaders are in is that people look to them so look to them for priorities for messaging for maybe a level of surety that they can't offer because no one can say what's going to happen next but at least consistency of message and clarity of message and uh, as i say role modeling some of that flexibility so that people know it's okay and i suppose some of this is quite general because we don't know exactly how long this will last and and what the the impact will be so we're talking at a very conceptual level but actually what i thought was quite interesting is that over the, the next few episodes that we're we're going to release um we're we're talking about things like organizational flexibility and you know, how organizations can um instill some of these act principles to be uh, more successful um talking about conversation at work we're talking about employee well-being now these were all recorded before this uh crisis uh was released onto the world so they don't reference it but what i'd like uh, listeners to do is to think about how the the lessons are applicable to us in in the in the present uh, climate and as ever we'd welcome your feedback on our our chats our discussions your thoughts on suggestions for future topics that we can we can cover off and of course what you think about these pre-recorded episodes that we're going to release over the next few weeks pilar anything else you'd like to throw into the mix before we wrap up for today not really just uh, take the time to discover what it is you need and when you can make sure uh, you find the time to get it i i second that <laughs> Brilliant. Thank you Pilar. Thanks Pilar for your time. Thank you everyone else for listening and uh we'll see you next time.
Thanks for downloading this episode of My Pocket Psych. To get in touch with questions and feedback, you can tweet us at worklifepsych or leave us a message on the contact form at www.worklifepsych.com/contact. Thanks for listening.